hear the good news of the gospel from Matthew 28. After the Sabbath, at dawn on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary came to look at the tomb. Look, there was a great earthquake, for an angel from the Lord came down from heaven. Coming to the stone, he rolled it away and sat on it. Now his face was like lightning and his clothes white as snow. The guards were so terrified of him that they shook with fear and became like dead men. But the angel said to the women, don't be afraid. I know that you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He isn't here because he's been raised from the dead, just as he said. Come, see the place where they laid him. Now hurry, go and tell his disciples, he's been raised from the dead. He's going on ahead of you to Galilee. You will see him there. I've given the message to you. With great fear and excitement, they hurried away from the tomb and ran to tell his disciples. But Jesus met them and greeted them. They came and grabbed his feet and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, don't be afraid. Go and tell my brothers that I am going into Galilee. They will see me there. Friends, this is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. O Lord, let the words of my mouth and the thoughts and meditations of all of our hearts be pleasing in your sight. For you, O Lord, are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. I went through my digital photos this week. And what I found was that there was a time before June 2008 and a time after June 2008. Before June 2008, my pictures are with lots of people. And after June 2008, most of my pictures feature one other person. Sometimes my wife Laura and I don't remember the exact details of that summer we met. We were young and in love and moments blur together into a mosaic of that summer where we met. What we know is that there was a before and there is an after. The gospel writer Matthew is not concerned with the specific details of the resurrection. We don't have like a nest camera on the scene to show us exactly how the body of Jesus was raised, how he got out with the stone in front of the tomb, or any of those details. What we know is that there was a before and there was an after. So we read about this incredible scene, one that is more action movie than the scene in the garden we usually read about in John's gospel. There is a massive earthquake right away in the scene, made because an angel has landed on the ground from heaven. The angel shines like lightning and is arrayed in dazzling white. And he rolls this multi-ton stone away from the tomb and sits on it. The guards are so terrified that they fall into a coma on the scene. Mary Magdalene and the other Mary see the empty tomb. And the angel sends them on to go and tell the disciples to meet Jesus in Galilee. The two Marys feel both fear 
and excitement. Two emotions which would be obvious. And they hustle on their way to tell the disciples. But Jesus met and greeted them. But Jesus met them. I could not help but be struck by that phrase this week. I kept asking God throughout this past week, what are we supposed to say about Easter and resurrection right now? What is the good news in the midst of this worldwide pandemic? And I think the good news is about this phrase. Jesus does not just play hide and seek with the women. His action here shows us something about who God is for all time. Jesus meets us. Jesus meets us. It might not feel like he does right now. This pandemic has us all in a strange frame of mind, as we have talked about over the last few weeks. I think many of us feel the silence of God right now, wondering where God is in the midst of this whole thing. We might be extremely lonely or isolated, and we do not feel the presence of God. Whenever I talk to people, be they some of you or old friends of mine or neighbors, and we talk about how we're doing, we ask each other, so, so how are you? The most honest and vulnerable answers have been coming out. We're making it. We're getting by. We're taking it a day at a time. Or I haven't killed them yet. Our answers are remarkably honest right now, which would be great if we translated them once this pandemic time is over. But even more, they show us how none of us is feeling particularly spiritually well right now. Making it and thriving are two very different realities. I think many of us are convinced that we need to be thriving in order to somehow earn good standing with God. It doesn't feel like we should just be getting by and somehow receive God's blessing or favor. The women were excited and afraid. They likely were wondering if they had just had a strange dream. They probably were not spiritually thriving. And Jesus met them. He came to them. This is love, 1 John says. It is not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice that deals with our sins. 1 John 4.10 nails the order of operations. It is always God first and then our response it is not that we loved God and so God decided to love us. No. It is that God loves us first. This entire week has been about God's love for us that would drive Jesus to the cross. And this culminates in resurrection. God's plan to defeat death once 
and for all. This plan is not dependent upon us. God loves you. And God is not dependent upon your feelings or your response. All grace. Jesus met them. How earth-shattering it had to be as a follower of Jesus after the crucifixion. People had placed their entire lives and hopes in him only to be let down by a criminal's death. They had hopes of what Jesus would do in restoring Israel, and now they had to be questioning everything. Was he a fraud? Why didn't he stand up or speak up for himself? What could we have done differently to stop it? Richard Lisher, who is one of my preaching professors at Duke, wrote a piece this past week called The Coronavirus Pandemic Feels Like an Unending Holy Saturday. Holy Saturday being the day before Easter when Jesus is in the grave. In it, Lisher describes what we are going through as a time of waiting where we don't really know what to do or what we are even waiting for. He writes, Our waiting has an intransitive feel. For what is hard to answer? For it to be over. For those who are sick to recover. For a magically resurrected economy. For school to start and the multiplex to open. For baseball. For a paycheck once again. Waiting to get back to where we were. Which for many of us wasn't a good place to begin with. The people who clean hotel rooms, who work at Macy's or the shop down the block, whose husbands or wives have died and remain unburied, who live in prisons, who are hoping for a bed in the ICU, what are they waiting for? But waiting, like hoping, demands an object. We are waiting for a solution to the inexplicable. We are waiting for deliverance from our vulnerability to nature, of course, and from death but even more from our vulnerability to the self-interest, lying, hoarding, and venality that make the pandemic even worse. Which is to say, we want to be delivered from ourselves. End quote. This is what is incredible about the reversal of resurrection. Everything that we have felt over the past two days, which is in many ways what we have felt for the past 30 days or so of real time, bewilderment, isolation, lost, confused, defeated, all of that is changed. The women grab Jesus' feet and worship him on the spot once he greets them. They are acknowledging that Jesus is no mere prophet. He is royalty. He is the one who has defeated death. And this resurrected one comes to them. I've always loved the words of Jeremiah 29, 13. When you search for me, yes, search for me with all your heart, you will find me. Even when it seems like God is silent, we have this promise that God will never remain hidden from us. God never leaves us, nor forsakes us. 
This is massively good news. It is the heart of faith. God is with us, the angels proclaimed in the name Emmanuel when Jesus was born. And now in the resurrected Lord, we are promised that God will always be with us. The women do not stay at Jesus' feet bowed down low. They don't share a meal with him or have a long conversation, no. Instead, the first Christian worshipers also become the first Christian preachers and evangelists. Jesus sends these women to go and tell his disciples to go back to Galilee and they will see him there. Friends, the bold claim that we make on Easter is that death is defeated. This virus is taking many people and will take many more. And the thing that we fear most, death, is not the end. Jesus conquered it and invites us to rise with him too. The risen Jesus meets you. He stands before you as if to say, were you looking for me? He continues to resurrect and to flip the world upside down. He changes expectations. He gives us something to hope for, a reason to live and to sing and to dance. So today we praise him in the midst of this sorrow and brokenness. And we proclaim that death does not have the victory. The ends of the Gospels are interesting because we do not get a lot of time with this risen Jesus. But this seems to be the same reason why we don't know the specifics of the resurrection. There is a before resurrection and there is an after. The details of Jesus' resurrected body are not the heart of the issue here. Rather, the good news is the heart. For Jesus invites the women to be both proclaimers and partakers of the resurrection. And he invites us to do the same. There is a before and there is an after in all of our lives. A time before the risen Jesus met us. And a time after. Where you sit today, I want to make sure that you are living after Jesus met you. Like these women, Jesus meets you in the midst of confusion and fear and invites you to become both a proclaimer and a partaker of his resurrected life. I invite you to pray with me. Lord of life, we sit here in the midst of confusion, brokenness, and vulnerability, and we see a glimpse of hope. Jesus is alive. We ask you, we beg you to come into our lives today. Conquer sin and death within me and make me alive with you forever. In the name of the risen Jesus, we pray. Amen.